The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. Think of it this way, Holly. So we have a plan for the new year where we're going to talk a little bit about mental health. Yeah. We're gearing up for a new year. We're in the Christmas season. So what better for us to learn more before we start to jump into a new year where we're like, oh, new year, new me, and I'm going to be better than I was back then. Exactly. Because I always wait till after January 1st. And then I think, oh, no, I've missed the boat. Well, there's always next year. (laughs) So who better to talk to us about uh, a new year, a new us? providing tips. We're going to be healthier. We're just going to be a better version of who we are, Holly. An audacious wellness warrior. And Roxanne Harris, how are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? We're good. Still trying to figure out what an audacious wellness warrior is. Yeah. Well, you're looking at her. So um, what's really interesting, I'll I'll just jump off uh, from here. I wrote a book called Audaciously Alive. And it's based on my story of overcoming autoimmune. And through that journey, I actually went back to school, got a number of degrees and certificates in natural Mm. health, and have been working towards helping other women, in particular, godly women who have uh, chronic issues, whether it's physical pain, emotional pain, whether they have an autoimmune or chronic disease, but helping them to learn how to live. There was something that I heard many years ago, um, and it goes roughly like this. Everyone will die, but not everyone will live. And in 2000, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. Uh, I just had my fourth baby, and it affected my entire body. Every single mm. joint, fiber, sinew, I could barely move, stand, walk, breathe, whatever. And I just kept plugging through and plugging on. And there was a a moment in time where, you know, they tried every medication known to man, nothing was happening, nothing was working. And the specialist literally said, "Um, here's a bag of pharmaceutical samples. There's nothing I can do to help you. I hope you have a really good life. You're going to be in a wheelchair by the time you're 35 for the rest of your life. And I was like, for real? Wow. Uh, my four-year-old, my, my son was with me and I'm looking at him and I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. And in that moment, I literally, it, it, my whole spirit rose up and I was, I said to her, there is no way I am ever getting in that wheelchair. I don't believe this is what God has in mind for me. And she, you know, just kind of squeezed my arm and she says, well, that's nice, Roxanne. And so everything I've done has been with this absolute audacity of saying, no, I don't come into agreement with that. I don't agree that I'm going to be in a wheelchair or on medication or incapacitated because God has more, right? God's promises are that we should have life and life more abundantly. And people would say to me, like, why are you like torturing yourself? Just get in the wheelchair. And I'm like, uh, no. And so it's really taking everything I've learned, both from my own personal experience, but also the experience of helping hundreds and hundreds of other people overcome, right, that kind of um, notice that's been placed on their body, on their mind, and be like, no, I'm choosing to live. And I'm not just going to go through life like a little ghost. I'm going to thrive despite the circumstance, despite what the doctors or they are saying, I'm going to live well. Yeah. Who are they anyways? (laughs) (laughs) 
I love that you said that, Holly, because so many of my clients come in and they're like, they said, they said, I'm like, but who is yeah. Yeah, who right, are the they? only thing that matters is God. He, what does God say about this situation? Yeah, whether it's uh, no. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead, Ollie. I was going to say You're smarter it, than I am. <laughs> not really, but <laughs> whether it's autoimmune issues or even you know, I'm getting to the forty plus age, and everyone's like, well, maybe it's perimenopause. <laughs> There's just not a lot of research done specifically with women and women health related issues. It's really true. And women are a bit different than men. And this is something I've really been exploring over the past few years, because men, it's always the same. If they want to get more fit or be more healthy, they eat a salad once a day, they go to the gym and bam, there's their, you know, beautiful body. (laughs) Johnny's wishing right now. (laughs) Wishing that he gets to the gym or eats a salad. I mean, I don't know. Um, But women are different. There's something very interesting that happens around the age of 40. And everything that they did historically to get in shape or become healthier suddenly doesn't work anymore. Our hormones kind of uh, start to work against us. So cardiovascular exercise, although healthy for you, going to the gym for two or three hours and running on the treadmill actually slows down your metabolism and makes matters worse. Women historically have maybe, you know, cheated their calories. They're eating a little tiny salad once or twice a day, and that's going to help me slim down. And it has the opposite effect. It causes the body to go into a panic survival mode and put on the fat, slow down the metabolism, mess up the blood sugars, the hormones, the mood, and we go a bit crazy. And so, Women over the age of 40 are a whole different animal. And when we go online and we see these fit young people that have never wrestled with, you know, weight or body image, uh, energy, stamina, they haven't lived the life and they don't have really the experience. One of the things I, I suggest to women is finding, whether it's a personal trainer or a life coach or whoever you're going to work with, Someone that's been there, done that, and has experience working with women in your age group with your particular set of issues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's also because women with chronic disease have a whole host of other issues going on. It's not just, mm-hmm. I need to lose five pounds. They're not sleeping, right? So their hormones are like crazy all over the place. They're avoiding relationships. They're like, take a rain check with their girlfriends. They're hiding out in isolation. They're taking a rain check every night with their spouse, right? Because there's so much going on that they go completely inward and they need help mentally, emotionally, and with mindset as well as it relates to health. I know the majority of this is focusing on women. Is there certain takeaways that guys can also come about with? this stuff too? Or is it completely the focus is women? Everything that I look at really plays for both men and women. Um, You know, in particular in my book, and one of the reasons that I wrote it was uh, my business coach at the time, Scott McLean, was telling me about uh, his first wife and uh, she died, unfortunately, with cancer. Mm-hmm. And we were discussing that experience and how for a spouse, how devastating it was uh, to watch her go through that. And as a man, not being able to fix it and and not being able to do anything. And I dedicate a, a couple of chapters of the book specifically to relationship 
and connecting and how men can help their partners, uh, right through a health crisis or a challenge, but also really how they can help themselves. Um, because it's not just their, say their, their wife or their spouse is going through something. They are as well, and it affects their health because now they're not sleeping. They're having a bad diet because they're going through McDonald's or Tim Hortons, you know, because they're always driving their wife to appointments. So the the spouse's health also starts to fail in a relationship where there is that huge health challenge going on. So whether it's about the sleep, um, something that adults maybe forget or choose to not remember is that adults need seven to nine hours of sleep every night. We can't coast on four or five hours, maybe one night, maybe two. But really, when we're being honest with ourselves, we all know that if we get seven or eight hours of sleep, we feel great. We're able to manage the day. Our emotions are calm. Our mood is more calm. We just have a greater um, gratitude for life and what's around us. And so in in both cases, Johnny, like the the men also have a role to play. And I think also by example. So for um, let's say you're out in an appointment and you guys are starving. Well, why are you going through, you know, Burger King drive through? Right. Why don't you say, hey, let's go for some Lebanese. Why? Because the shawarma places, unless you're having the deep fried potatoes, it's real food. There's no additives. There's no preservatives. It's the salad. It's the chicken. You see what's on it. It's the olive oil. And if nothing's available, like say, you know what, sweetie? Let's just pop into the grocery store because every grocery store now has that little deli area with prepared salads and the rotisserie chicken, which is always going to be a better option. So in some regards, I think, you know, the uh, a man, uh, when the wife is not doing well mentally, emotionally, physically in pain, needs to take some responsibility for becoming that, that kind of family physician and reminding um, both of them, what it is to, to show up to life. If you're going to sabotage with sugar, you're not going to feel good the next day. Mm. Brain fog, you feel like you've been run over by a dump truck, then you're sucking back the coffee, and you're creating a cycle that's contributing to both parties because you're going to snap at each other emotionally. You're going to uh, not engage in the same way. So everything uh, equally applies to the men. And I think even if we look at all of the mindset and body image, that is also playing into men in a huge way with social media. Before, we never saw so much about body image and men and how they measure up Mm -hmm. as we have now with this 24-7 social media and look at me. Yeah. And of course, it's the snapshot or it's that quick this was me before, this was me after, and you don't know the journey between those to- those two photos. And uh, yeah, it impacts men as much as women now. Holly, that's an amazing point because we see before and after, and it's not a straight line. Mm-mm. I think people really think, hey, I'm going to get on this New Year's challenge and it's just going to be all uphill and every day is going to be a win and I'm going to feel fantastic. And it's highs and lows and sometimes really high highs and super low crashes because it's a process. We are a work in process and we have 
a past that likes to come and talk to us about the should haves and could haves. And don't you remember when we ate that whole cheesecake and wasn't that really fantastic? And it made us feel so good. Yes. (laughs) You're in my head. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so, so true. It's amazing to see where you are now. Um, and then just like going through the book where you were, mm-hmm. you know, if we rewind to the, the five, 10 year old Roxanne, what were your goals then? Honestly, my goal, if I can remember anything about my childhood was really, there was a lot of laughter, a lot of fun, a lot of dancing. And honestly, I just wanted to be the best mom ever. Mm. And it sounds crazy, but I literally wanted my house to smell like pine salt because I love the smell. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted my kids to come home and to sit there with freshly baked cookies and milk and, you know, having this, you know, mom, daughter, mom, son time. That was like my optimum goal. How can I be happy and how can I create this beautiful family just with smiles on their face and giggles and laughter all the time. That was my dream. Then you found out that Pine Sol had chemicals and the cookies are full of sugar. And <laughs> well, there goes that. <laughs> my whole life. Just destroyed. <laughs> what I appreciate a lot about uh, in, in your teachings and your wisdom is that there there's a faith component, a part of that. Where did your faith journey start or when did your faith journey start? That's a really interesting story because um, my parents, after the age of six, we didn't go to church anymore because they fought. My dad's Anglican, my mom's Roman Catholic, and so it was kind of this butting heads. So I don't really remember going to church with my family as a child. However, I always had this very strong relationship with, I used to always call him my daddy in heaven. Hmm. And... It was like I would pray at night and it was like God was bigger than life. He was like Superman. I just knew that if I asked God anything that he would answer where I got that from. I don't know. I had a little ceramic plate on our wall in our bedroom. That was the the uh, the. Lord's prayer for kids. Now I lay me down to sleep, you know, pray the Lord my soul to keep. And I prayed that every night and I meant every word. And I used to go to church with my friends here and there. And it wasn't until um, really we had our first uh, daughter at the age of 21. And I really had this um, need. I needed to be at church. I needed to be close to God. So I had a great uh, baptism experience at about the age, I think I was 26 years old, felt the presence of uh, the Holy Spirit come upon me. And then from there, it's just really been this rocket launching, you know, experience with God. And everywhere we went, it was like every time we moved across the country, the church was just more and more um, faithful or evangelistic and really um, heavily um, implying or using the gifts of the spirit. And I became really fascinated with a whole healing ministry after I received a beautiful touch from God. And yeah, it's been a journey. I know that Holly's going to have a a boatload of questions because when it comes to health, (laughs) that's Holly. Before we get into that, though, um, you you were discussing, uh, we were talking about women in 40 and and menopause and that. But if you're working strictly with women, at what age 
should we start to look into this further? Is it like my daughter's 11? Should she look into it at 16 with different changes or 18? Is there a specific age? Well, I think we need to be health conscious always. So our bodies at a young age are very good at bringing you back into balance. So you could go and sabotage and eat garbage food and pizza and Cheetos and whatever all weekend. And your body's going to recover because it has enough what's known as glutathione. It's a critical peptide. It's an antioxidant that allows your body to heal, repair, recover, restore, regenerate. The challenge is, is right now in our society, I think the latest stat was like 90% of what's available in the grocery store didn't exist like 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And so much of what people are eating is not real food. Mm -hmm. And so we're filling ourselves with substance that is really just toxic garbage that needs to eliminate And the more and more we do that, the more our body gets uh, bogged down and weighed down. A lot of our food is full of um, uh, agricultural uh, chemicals, for example. Um, All of our grains are sprayed with herbicides and pesticides. We have a lot of cross-contamination. And also, our produce is not the same as it used to be. Like an orange 20 or 30 years ago had way more nutritional value than what it does now. I can liken it to if you've ever grown tomatoes or gone to a farmer's market when tomatoes are in season, and they're just so yummy, and they're so flavorful and juicy, and then you buy one in like February in Canada, and you're like, is this even a tomato? <laughs> like, I mean, it kind of looks like one. And so that's really the state of our food almost all the time. So we start at a young age being very um, nutrient deficient. A lot of our soils are deficient in certain nutrients. And what we're seeing is that autoimmune diseases are happening at younger and younger ages. We've got 8, 10, 12-year-olds that now have arthritis and fibromyalgia and all kinds of other uh, devastating um, issues with their body. And about 95% of all illness and disease is lifestyle related. So if we could do better with only drinking water, we don't need juice. And FYI, mamas, Your babies, after they're weaned from the breast or the bottle, if that's what you've chosen, don't ever need another drop of milk in their lives. There's no other mammal that continues to consume milk. And in most of the world, once they're weaned, they never have access to milk. A cow's milk is designed to grow one ton animal. That's the protein structure. When we pasteurize it, it becomes lymph and phlegm. It's not really milk. It's very congested to the body. It's very inflammatory. And so we have things that we uh, consume a lot of grains, which is pure sugar. It's like shards of glass literally ripping through your intestines. We consume a lot of dairy and our bodies are in inflammatory state. So the more that we can eat cleanly, the more that we can move away from hazardous chemicals, like almost all body care, bath care, skin care, beauty care, it's, you know, go for the natural organic. Because when we're consuming those, your skin is the largest organ of your body. What you put on your skin, you eat. Like this is known scientifically. Mm-hmm. And when your body has to process that out, 
um, it takes a long time. And so it's setting you up, and in particular women, because women are higher in estrogen. And so we eat a lot of foods, we microwave food and plastic, and we're getting all of this access to estrogens, which is really sabotaging uh, the female reproductive system and hormone system right from that get-go. So for your daughter, you know, 11 years old, entering into puberty, you know, girls are entering into puberty at very young age with very horrific symptoms because they are so estrogen dominant and they are so toxic. Before we get into some of the key things to really keep in mind uh, as we head into a new year and hopefully uh, achieving that new you, as a lot of people like to say, I'm actually really curious about the that process for you where you did go from being really aware of uh, your own health state. You had your fourth child. I'm going to guess that you were excited. You got four kids and you're just going to, you know, be pine selling your house and making those cookies. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us about that moment that changed your life forever? Well, what was interesting is um, I thought that I had the big C word, the cancer word, because the doctors were very alarmed at what was going on in my body. And um, I had a MRI scheduled or a CAT scan scheduled for Boxing Day in 2020 or 2000. And Christmas was horrible for me. I went through Christmas going, this is it. This is going to be my last Christmas. And I had all of the pity party, the woe is me. My kids are going to grow up without a mom. I'm going to die. So I went to this appointment just terrified that that was what I was going to hear. It was in the days where your your file was top secret. They didn't let you read anything. They didn't tell you your thoughts. Mm -hmm. I went to the registration desk. They gave me my file. And I was like, wait a minute gave me my file. And so I snuck into a little corner and I was reading what, you know, the doctors had been writing and it was something called question ankylosing spondylitis. And I was like, I don't really know what that is, but I do know it's not cancer. And so I'll be okay. Mm -hmm. The radiologist confirmed immediately after the scan, I said to him, do I have it? He's like, what do you think you have? I said, ankylosing spondylitis. He said, yes, you do. And I was like, I'm going to live. And you know what? It was so crazy because what I didn't know to get to your question was how absolutely devastating and destructive this disease is. It fuses your spine together, your joints together. It crushes your internal organs. And most people actually die from a heart attack because of the, the pressure on their heart and other internal organs. So as I was going through this diet, you know, this early diagnosis and the pain was just so bad. Like, honestly, to go to the bathroom was a monumentous feat that, you know, from my bed to the bathroom, 10 steps, like 20 minutes at least. Right. And so the, the really that ding dong moment was with the rheumatologist who told me I was going to be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. And I'm like, that's not ever happening. There is no way in hell. There is no way in hell I'm getting in that wheelchair. And so to make that mindset shift that I'm not playing your game anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be, you know, part of, you know, the diagnosis. I'm not going to have that label. I'm going to be Roxanne. I'm going to live. I'm going to live well. And nobody's going to stop me. And so I started to actively seek out practitioners that agreed with me that I could live, that I could reverse ankylosing spondylitis, and that I would never get in the wheelchair. And I think it's really important for women and men 
to know what they want with their health and to not take a rain check. Life is too short to put your life on pause. My life would have been permanently on pause. I could have easily gotten into the wheelchair because there were times, man, where it was like this body was not listening, right? And so to really make that resolve, and in that moment, I really partnered with God. You know, I say to people, if I had not been in relationship with Jesus at that moment, I likely would be dead in a wheelchair for sure. But I think I would literally not have survived. Why is mindset so important? It's the basis of everything, really. And so uh, people are often confused when we come to Christ and we give our life to Jesus The Bible says that the old man is dead and that we are a new creation and we have the mind of Christ, but we have to exercise this. We see this throughout the the New Testament um, in, in the various letters where we're being challenged about what is your mindset? Because your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions wants to be in charge. Don't you remember when, right? And it's always calling you back to your old way of working things out, the grief, feeling rejected, discouraged, devastated, anger, rage. And we're forgetting that we are a new person with a different outlook. Some people, maybe it's going to take a really, really long time to climb out of autoimmune disease, right? But that doesn't mean you can't live. If you don't decide here, so to to have a New Year's resolution, it means to decide firmly. Resolve is you you are making a decision and that's it, period, end of the story. And why it's important is more so for women. Women are very social. We need community. We need relationship. And your friends will think you're all so cute and lovely, Right. They'll be like, oh, you're trying to get well. How wonderful. (laughs) Until it doesn't suit their agenda, Mm -hmm. right? And so you have a different food plan, right? You maybe decide that you're in bed every night by 10 o'clock because that's how you function properly. We already talked about sleep. But they want to push the envelope. So you go to a party and you're not eating the grains or the sugar and they want you to have a piece of the birthday cake. And you're like, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. You know, I'm not. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Right? And Holly's already nodding because she knows exactly what happens. Yeah. Then, <laughs> then the guilt trip comes, right? It's my birthday cake. Like, Don't you want some? Why aren't you eating? Don't you like my baking? You think I'm not a good at cookies? You Like, it just goes down the cycle. And so women will actually give up, you know, their resolve, their resolutions to fit in. Mm-hmm. Right. To not create a stir. Right. People will say, well, I can't invite you over because all you eat is salad. And you're like, well, I'm not concerned about that. Yeah. You know, like everywhere I go, I've just decided I bring something to share that I know I can eat. (laughs) Right. And if if that's (laughs) the only thing I can eat, that's the only thing I can eat. But to resolve means to never compromise. If you don't know that, you know, and you don't know why you want to be well. Yeah. It will, and it's not, please, ladies, it's not because you want your husband to think you're hot. It's not because you want to be there, you know, to run around with your kids. Those are great, but it's not really why. 
right? The why is why you're going to do it. The why is why I went to Nepal for like 12 days and never compromised on my diet. And that was really hard to do because we were in the middle of, you know, the Himalayan mountains digging trenches in, in the mountain for water. And the only thing they eat is like rice and beans. Yeah. But I never compromised because the results of the compromisation are so drastic to me that I never want to feel that way again. So you talk about resolve. So what are the non-negotiables to help us with that resolve, (laughs) right? Sometimes it's easier to know what you can't do to uh, really, to, to be able to put that flag in the ground and say, yeah. Yeah. Well, of course we just talked about mindset. So that's important. You know, I would say, Many people, we don't see healing in the world because most people don't actually seek to be healed. They just try to escape, right? They escape the pain. And this is why the resolve doesn't work and why the mindset is part of that Mm non-negotiable, right? We're not trying to escape how we're feeling because the moment that there's a conflict, your old self is going to speak up and say, remember when you have those Oreos or that bag of chips in the cupboard to make you feel better. So mindset number two is water. Non-negotiable is water. You have to drink half your body weight in ounces in water every single day. Why? You can't function without it. Your body can't uh, detoxify and get rid of the garbage. Your brain can't function. Oxygen carry or water carries oxygen. Water is a natural energizer. It makes you feel alert. It helps with weight loss. It decreases pain. 85% of arthritic pain can be resolved by drinking enough water. That's a good tip right there. Mm-hmm. Um, number three, not starving yourself. Um, so non-negotiable is... You know, stop it with the 800 calorie day. You are causing your body to go into serious distress. So we need to ensure that we're eating appropriately for what our level of health is. It's all a level of health. If you are in disease, it's still a level of health. It's poor health, but that's your state of health, right? So there could be um, a recipe or uh, sorry, a a food plan, like autoimmune uh, diet, where you're really removing starches and sugars and and that kind of thing. Um, But also not starving yourself relationally. Uh, The non-negotiables are really looking at making sure you have those tight connections with friends and family that support you, support you in your wellness goal, will encourage you to keep going. Um, That's uh, really crucial, I think. And... um, And getting out, right? So making sure that you're not isolating, uh, that you're getting out, you're experiencing life, and you're finding things that are very pleasurable. It's very easy for us to move towards things that cause pain and feeling the defeat and the rejection and hiding out. But finding those things that create pleasure, like going for a walk or listening to some nice poetry or music or doing something creative, doing something creative is very good for women. The other one, a non-negotiable would be sleep. We talked about sleep, seven to nine hours of sleep. For those of you that do have autoimmune or chronic disease, uh, eight to 10 hours is actually what's required. So that trying to be in bed by 930 would serve you really well. And then something I call rejuvenating rest, where I coined this term many years ago in my practice because women um, 
do everything for everyone, right? We're no longer 24 hours in the home as a homemaker, but we're also one job, two jobs, three jobs, PTA, this committee, that board, uh, taxi driver. We're running on just empty all the time. And the things that we used to do that really brought joy to our lives we stop doing it in our minds are like, yeah, yeah. When I have time, I'm going to go do that when I have time, but we never make the time. And those little things, I call them these little graces by God, where there's one or two things that when you do it, you're like, why don't I do this more often? It makes me feel so good. It makes my heart sing, my spirit soar. I love it. Why do I have to stop? I just want to do this all the time. And it proves to your soul and your spirit when you do that, that you are alive, that life is worth living. And it's really as much of the prescription as, you know, the water or the food. We have to do things that bring us joy um, in our life. You gave all of these great things, food and water and sleep. And I X'd off everything that I'm not, I'm not doing any yeah, of them. Yeah. I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm but eating enough. Just in general. Yeah. <laughs> Is uh, where, where does somebody start though? Because I feel like, you know, you got to walk before you run and run before you sprint. And all of that just seems so daunting where it's like, okay, what, what, you know, maybe if I drank a cup of water in a month, maybe that's winning. I think that one of the best ways to do that is called stacking, where you take good habits that you already have and you stack it, your new habits on top of it. So for example, you want to drink more water. Well, maybe you have a glass of water or a glass in your bathroom and you are now pre-programmed that every time you use the washroom, you have a glass of water. Maybe it's before you get in the shower, you have a glass of water. So adding it to something that you already do is kind of like moving your body. I don't like the word exercise because I think that for most people, it has a mm-hmm. negative connotation that it's work, <laughs> yes. right? It's a workout. Ex- it's a workout. Our exercise should be fun. It should be freedom and flowing. So movement throughout your day. But one of the really good things to get your body moving and detoxifying, for example, is jumping jacks. So I say to my clients, literally, before you get in the shower, you just slam out 50 jumping jacks. And it becomes so programmed that I have people that are like, I got in the shower. And I was like, oh, no. And they jump out of the shower and I start doing my jumping jacks. <laughs> it's part of the habit, right? As long as they have dry feet, they're good. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 maybe it's not just a whole, you know, dietary change to begin with, but maybe you just resolve that every day you start your dinner with a nice big salad every day. I don't get to eat the steak until I've eaten the salad. And it's not the salad at the side. The salad is served first and we eat the salad. You mentioned about finding your why with regards to why you're going to be making these changes in your life. Um, it's the Why Me Project. So I'm, I'm just curious about more the other side of that why and the why me. I think for me, my biggest why me moment was um, many years ago, we learned that my daughters had been um, abused by my brother. And I spent, you know, my whole life really trying to protect my kids And I write about this in my book, and it's because of my own experience about nearly being abducted a few times as a younger person. And um, so I became this really helicopter parent. And so 
when this happened and when we learned about it, I took all of the blame on myself. And it was the why God, why me? I'm not prepared for this. Nobody taught me how to deal with this. Nobody taught me how to bring my my children through this. And, you know, I didn't blame God, but it was me. And I think, I don't think I know. I put myself into um, a depression, a sad state. Um, I became kind of the shadow of myself uh, for a number of reasons, right? Trying to protect us, our family. I didn't want the community knowing. It was just all these things. And, you know, the the outcome of that, I think you can work with so many, you know, coaches and people and counselors and all of that. But it really comes to the resolve of, okay, daddy, you know, show me, show me what the silver lining was. Because when people would say to me, oh, Roxanne, what's the good? I'm like, there is none. Like, do you not understand what happened? Yeah. And this beautiful soul, um, you know, just led me to ask that question, you know, to go deeper and deeper and really look at that situation from God's perspective. And what came out of that situation was my son. And there was a moment in time after not being together with my husband for a long time because of um, the abuse and the way we felt, right, where, you know, we had reengaged and I cried out to God in the moment and I said, God, give me a child. And we conceived our son. And I've always said he's the apple of my eye. Uh, he's our only boy. And that is the silver lining. I'm not for one minute suggesting that my daughters were abused so my son could be born. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that to look at your situation from God's perspective, because we are promised that he takes, you know, what was meant for evil and he does turn it into good. And so I don't believe that God allowed that because our scriptures say that uh, we have an enemy that prowls around like a roaring lion waiting to see who he can devour. We have people that have free choice and free will. But I do believe that God was there in that moment protecting the hearts uh, and minds uh, of my daughters and that out of that you know, and that constant trying to make sense of it, not from an intellectual point of view, but trying to seek God's wisdom, that that silver lining and that way out was just this beautiful child. Audaciously alive out January the 3rd. What a great way to kick off your new year. She's a a wealth of knowledge, engagewellness.ca. I'm headed off to eat a salad, Roxanne. Thank you very much for taking some time and uh, hanging out with us. Thanks so much. I think having a mindset and wanting to do it and being able to deliver what you want to do is really key and important. Yeah, I think that's why I shifted from saying a New Year's resolution, mm. even though to resolve is is something that's a strong statement. It had just become a throwaway word, a, a thing, a fad. And so I said goals because it gave me something to sure. work towards instead of an immediate change. And so I like how she was talking about the stacking. I can do those little, those little things to little extras. Yeah, achieve what I want. She said 50 jumping jacks. I thought she said 15 to oh. start. And I'm like, oh, I could do that. <laughs> no, there was a five and then a zero. Yeah, but you can start with 15 too. It's better so than I'm going zero. To. I think the other thing too is that just hearing the importance of food 
Mm-hmm. And making sure you're eating the right things and not the processed food. And what'd she say? 90% of what we eat was not in a grocery store 40 years ago. That's a staggering number. That says something. Yeah, it does. And I know right now there's a lot of financial insecurities and food mm. insecurities. And to make the healthy choice is a financial commitment. Um, but maybe then it's, you know, this spring. We are planting intentionally our, our yeah. vegetables. So at least a few months of the year, we can have stuff that we grew. And, uh, it just, just trying to throw out ideas here because I know you look at the organic section and you're like, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know how to pay with my firstborn child. <laughs> well, <sighs> I'm glad that this was the last one that we can do before Christmas. So mm-hmm. this gives us the Christmas season to eat all the foods that we probably shouldn't. And then as we dive into a new year, then we can work on a new year and a new us. And the great thing about this podcast is that, um, come around this time next year when now you're trying to plan out Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> you'll be able to have some inspiration and be able yeah. to have the mindset to have the resolve to make it through the Christmas season. You'll have 12 months of practice, but to be able to do it in a way where you can wake up each day feeling energized and healthy and ready for fun with your family. So thank you to everyone who has been along this journey with us for this last year. It has been uh, so much fun. Merry Christmas to everybody. And then make sure you start downloading on all this stuff. Yeah, and share it with your friends because there's lots of places to be able to get our podcast, literally your favorite podcast platform. Seriously. Literally. Seriously, literally. (laughs) And you can also uh, watch us on YouTube. We've got quick little videos that we're trying to build for you. Subscribe, ring the bell, all that jazz. And go to faithstrongtoday.com. 